1: Good morning time to get up with a San Francisco treat. How the West was won as the Brock party just keeps going and growing. Meanwhile, the war of words with the birds reaches new heights. Will the verbal arson from Parsons have any impact on the race for number one? And then hey Ron is saying there's a chance. And believe it or not, there actually is. Could the pack fight all the way back? Oh, it's a football Friday, people. And we are ready to go as we get up with you starting right now. Here we go. Working into the the weekend. Couldn't be more than yeah. that. The weather outside is frightful, but we could not have a more delightful collection. Here we go. Brooke Pryor is ready to go. Ninko is ready to go. Ryan Clark is up and at him early this morning, and we're all ready to watch how the West was won last night. 49ers in Seattle looking to clinch the division. Early first quarter, no score. San Francisco looking to change that. And Ninko, how do we put into perspective how big an acquisition Christian McCaffrey is? The the
2: best trade of the year. The trade of the year for the 49ers. Great Move going to get this guy 108 yards on the ground for the night. They would rush for 170 as a team, and then how about this play? It's called fun pass. That's exactly what it's called. Fun pass, double faked on the outside and right up the middle for a touchdown. George Kittle, the first of his two
1: on the night Niners, a seven-nothing lead, just over a minute to go in the half. Seahawks down 7-3,
2: trying to move the football, but you can't have this. Uh fumble! <laughs> Scoop and score. The defense is playing lights out. The best defense in the NFL right now. And
1: almost score. Actually, they take it to the six uh, does Ward and then the Niner defense comes up big and hands it to McCaffrey and he would actually take it in right before the half. 14-3 San Francisco with the break. Opening drive of the second half. 49ers trying to put this thing away. And then why is the man so open and then where is the tackling?
2: I, I don't know because when you're drawing up defense, you don't let one of the best players on the field just run down the field wide open and then you don't tackle him. Just let him score. So, yeah, 49ers, another score. Brock 217 yards, two
1: touchdowns, both to Kittle, no picks. Then, Seattle. This is going to be the ball game here on a pick six for San Francisco, but hold everything its getting called back, Nick Bosa
2: roughing the passer. I hate this call. I absolutely hate it. That should be a sack or a pressure with a turnover for a touchdown. They negate it, penalty, but he gets his revenge with another very similar play. Luckily, they didn't
1: throw a flag there. That were not called uh, on, on the ensuing drive. San Francisco with three sacks on the night. Seattle will kick a field goal. 21-6. Four minutes to go. That's still the score. Seattle not giving up. Here comes Kenneth Walker the third. A 33-yard game. Seattle very
2: next play. They need to score quickly, and they do to Noah Fant. Yeah, a little, little, little too late here, though. They're running out of time. They only scored six points. First touchdown of the night. They ran out of time. 21-13.
1: That's right. They ran out of time because with a minute left on the clock, San Francisco just needs a first down and they get that and then some Jordan Mason a 55 yard gain and that was all she wrote Niners win hey Kyle Shanahan you've won the West talk to
3: me
4: this isn't um, our final goal by any means I'm very proud of our team and what we accomplished throughout the year to get to this um, our goal is to get in the tournament and we accomplished that today but um, now it's all trying to set that up to be the best situation we can and uh, hopefully get some of our guys back to in the process
1: And they just keep winning and winning and opening eyes. And this Brock Purdy story continues to be unbelievable. So, R.C., let's start big picture, and then we'll work our way small. If we were the college football playoff committee, the four of us right now, when you Mm -hmm. were voting, give me the top three teams in the NFC in order.
3: Well, the Philadelphia Eagles would be number one. The San Francisco 49ers are firmly planted at number two and the biggest threat to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you have the Dallas Cowboys. And I get it. The Dallas Cowboys are the team with the shiny star on their helmet. And we love talking about them in the A's of get up. But when we talk about what's really getting down to winning football games is what the San Francisco 49ers have. They have not just a good defense, but a dominant defense. Skill players all around the field, starting with Christian McCaffrey on offense, going to George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel when he returns. And you have the best quarterback play that this team has gotten all year. Yeah, it's better than what we saw from Trey Lance. It's better than what we saw from Jimmy G. Brock Purdy is the best player that's played that position for this team the entire season. And that's why he has this team rolling and primed for an NFC Championship matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: see, our analytics have not yet caught up to RC and the rest of us, candidly, who are this in love with the 49ers. A lot of that happened. Has to do with chances of being the one seed, and, and the Eagles have the overwhelming chance. And R.C. just said, Brooke, that they're getting the best quarterback play they've gotten all year. It's hard to argue as you watch this kid, Brook uh, Brock Purdy. But I always turn to you to sort of put things into a story. Like... I don't, know, I don't know how to begin to explain, if Brock Purdy were to actually lead this team to the Super Bowl, just how unprecedented that would be.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I talk about Yenzer catnip. This is journalist catnip. Like, I'm ready to write this story. <laughs> and I've gotten to cover some pretty cool Cinderella stories. Like, look, I saw Duck Hodges come in and start games <laughs> for the Steelers in 2019. This is better than that. This is better than an undrafted rookie coming in, Duck Collar, all that stuff. Like, this guy was Mr. Irrelevant. This is the best story in Thursday night football all season. This is the best story in the NFL right now. Like we thought that the Baker Mayfield stuff last week was good. This is a real Cinderella story. This is a guy that was the last pick in the draft. This just doesn't happen. And for him to be you know, playing the best, like what RC said, he is giving them the best quarterback play all season, he could, be, he could really lead them to the playoffs and a Super Bowl.
1: Look at the names on that screen, and, and there's, th- there's one or another thing about them that would separate them from Brock Purdy. Either the pedigree. So, guys like Colin Kaepernick would, did not come as a surprise. Jeff Hotstetler had been in the league a long time. Nick Foles had been a high draft pick. And then others of them, even Kurt Warner, who came from about as close to coming from nowhere as he could. He started the entire season. This kid, Brock Purdy, has started two games. Nico. Could this team go to the Super Bowl with Brock
2: Purdy as its quarterback? After watching last night's game, yes. Yes. And before last night's game, I said, no, I don't think so. But just watching the command that he has and his ability to to just play the game plan out and and execute the game plan in a hostile environment – And then you watch this team, the the weapons that they have offensively, but more so the defense. So you can rely on your defense to create turnovers, to to really put you in a position where you only have to score 17 points, Mm -hmm. and and you will win because they're holding teams to under 15 points, basically. 15.1 is what they're averaging. So after last night, even less. So, again, I think that with a young quarterback and, and the way this offense functions, when you get Debo back, It's get the ball out of his hand quickly, put it to the right people, let them do the work, and just manage the game. And he can do that, which last night, I was pleasantly surprised with what I saw.
1: Look, they've won seven consecutive games. There's no question they are peaking at the right time. The 49ers feel like a legitimate threat to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk about them because they don't like each other. And we're here for every word of it from Micah Parsons. Cowboys right now preparing for a game in Jacksonville on Sunday while their superstar linebacker is throwing shade back and forth with the Eagles with that Christmas Eve showdown looming. Here's Micah Parsons trying to sum up. This little weak field of a war of words.
5: I'm pretty sure they hate me. <laughs> Not ones that ever disrespect hurts or any other player in any way. I'm just talking football. Like if football is a, a hurtful conversation, then what are we playing for? I think the job's more
2: hurtful than conversation. You know, if we can't have opinions, I mean, you guys get to talk all day. Why can't we just talk a little chatter? You know. It's a, these are different
1: times for, from the times, even Nico, that you played and RC that yeah. you played. So, Ryan, I'll start with a, a two-part question for you. One, forget about being in the media. Forget about being on ESPN and the host of The Pivot and everything else. Because I know that from that standpoint, we love it when players say things like this. But if you're a player on his team, do you like or not like Micah Parsons with the talking? And secondly, does it have any <laughs> impact at all on what happens this week or next on the field?
3: No, it doesn't. I mean, you still have to go out and play the game, and somebody's going to have to block Micah Parsons, which most tackles in the NFL haven't been able to do to a high level this year. But you don't necessarily concern yourself with what Micah Parsons is saying, because you understand that the game is decided when you put football pads on. And what Micah has to do is back up his talk. When he steps out there and he's across from Lane Johnson, what are you going to do when the run comes your way against Philadelphia, which it seems like they were attacking you in the first. Meeting, are you going to step up and play better this time? And the thing I would ask him though is, is if I'm his coach, is what is it helping? Not necessarily how does it hurt us. This is, is you speaking, is you saying these things, is you being part of the media? Is that helping build your brand? Is that helping you be a better player? Is that helping this team get closer to winning a Super Bowl? And I think those are the questions that Michael Parsons has to answer and who he'll have to answer to in the locker room. But as far as the players, you're going to ride with your guy, but the one that has to lead this team out of the huddle, both this week and on Christmas Eve, is going to have to be Michael Parsons, and he's going to have to lead with his play, because if he doesn't, you know, that media that gets to talk, you know, stuff, as he said, talk crap, they're going to be talking a ton of crap about number 11, and he may not like it. The one thing that, and you were telling us this morning in our meeting, Nico, that that
1: there'll be guys who will be seeking him out on the field when they meet a week
2: from Saturday, right? Yeah, I mean, I think back to playing against Bart Scott, and Bart, I like Bart now, but I didn't like Bart when I played against Bart. <laughs> and, and if I was on offense, I'd probably want to give Bart a little, you know, a little, give him a little something. But when you have this back and forth, that's football, right? You, we, there's always been the back and forth. It, it's part of the game. But the best thing about football is when you get on the field, you can go out there, and you can assault somebody, basically, and, you're, and it's fine. You're like, you don't, you're not getting arrested for it. You're not gonna get arrested for it. Yeah. You're going to go out. You're going to tackle somebody. You might put them in the, in the ground pretty hard. You might, you know, an offensive lineman, you can get after somebody. You can put their head in the ground. It's great. But, again, this is the thing. You go back to the last matchup. They ran the ball 26 times mm-hmm. at Parsons. 26 yeah. times. 20 of those plays were positive plays. So they, they had a game plan, let's go, let's run at 11, let's go after him, and now I guarantee I guarantee
1: they're going to do that again. So here we are sitting here talking about a game that gets played a week from Saturday. In the meantime, the Cowboys have to play Jacksonville on Sunday. And as we put our picks up on the screen, and if you were with us yesterday, you know, Ninko thinks that the Cowboys are going to get knocked off. Brooke, it does feel as though it kind of meets a lot of the definitions of the classic trap game where Micah Parsons is already talking about the Eagles and everything else. Is this a trap for the Cowboys?
0: I don't think it can be because they almost got trapped against the Texans. Is there such thing as a double trap game? I mean, I mean, at that point, are you just a team on a slide, right? Like, I think that that Texans game has to be a wake-up call for this team that, okay, we thought that we were the second-best team in the NFC. Maybe we're third now. The third best, second or third best team in the NFC does not come down to almost losing to the Texans like that. I think they go out and they have a convincing win against the Jags, knowing that this Eagles game is coming up. But they've got to stop talking about Philadelphia and make Jacksonville the focal point of this week.
1: Again, Ninko was picking the Jaguars. RC, I see that you're picking the Cowboys. But for those who aren't paying much attention, Jacksonville started really badly this season. But they, and in particular their quarterback, playing a lot better. Is this a scary game for Dallas to you?
3: Yeah, I believe this is a scary game. And listen, I'm I'm listening to Brooke talk about not having double traps. If you couldn't set more than one trap, then IG models would not be thriving in 2022. You can trap as much as you want. When you look at who the Jacksonville Jaguars have become, they're protecting Trevor Lawrence on offense. Trevor Lawrence is showing why he was the number one overall pick. And from the skill players position, they're making plays. And so this is going to be an extremely tough game for the Dallas Cowboys. But what helps you is playing the way you did against the Houston Texans. Texas now Mike McCarthy, now Kellen Moore, now Dan Quinn, get to come in and coach you as if you lost and as a player, you're feeling like you did because it took a 98-yard drive for you to beat the worst team in the NFL. I think that the Dallas Cowboys will have their antennas up and be prepared to play and they're going to have to against this young and upcoming Jacksonville Jaguars team. We are off to a spicy start on a football Friday <laughs> as we roll on. It's going to get even chillier
1: in here. We've made a lot of two struggles in cold weather this week. We will tell you how the cold impacts all the players once the game begins and whether or not the Dolphins can pull off the win. And speaking of pulling off upsets, what if Tom Brady were to pull one off in Cincinnati to do it? He'll have to do something he hasn't done all year. And we'll tell you exactly what that is next. It's Get Up on ESPN.
5: Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.
1: Delicious. Essential amino acids. They're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Get Up is brought to you by Avatar: The Way of the Water. Only in theaters. Now playing. All right, Miami and Buffalo will be playing tomorrow night in Western New York. Let's do more or less looking ahead to that game. Brooke Pryor, more or less, 231 and a half passing yards for Josh Allen.
0: I'm going to go less, and that's because I'm looking at this forecast. I know it's going to affect the Dolphins. I know that Tua does not like to play in the cold. But look, Josh Allen, I don't think is going to sling the ball around as much as he did against the Dolphins in the first matchup where he had 400 passing yards. I'm going to take the under here.
1: Yeah, but could, could any weather games possibly be more different? That was September in Miami. RC, will Tyreek Hill have more or less than 76 and a half
3: receiving yards? Listen, I think he will. They'll understand about getting the football into Tyree Kill's hand where he can get run after the catch. Having those type of players in space is where the Miami Dolphins thrive, and they didn't do that nearly enough against the Los Angeles Chargers. He's had a couple of weeks where he didn't actually, absolutely, go off. I think this is the week they make sure he has the football in his hands.
1: And then last week, we saw Buffalo just terrorize the Jets quarterback, Mike White. So, Ninko, will Tua take more or less than one and a half
2: sacks? I'm going to go with more here. I I think the the weather conditions could, you know, I'll I'll steal a a term from Bart Scott. Uh, He might be burping the baby in the backfield uh, too many times there. And and the the Buffalo defense are going to be opportunistic. We saw them against the Jets basically destroy the quarterback position with blitzing. Um, So, I do believe with the weather conditions, he's going to hold the football more sacks more than one and a
1: half weather is going to be a factor let's show you the latest forecast here it's going to be 48 degrees lower than what it will be in miami so that's what the dolphins are going bad. from and to uh, game time forecast under 20 degrees three to seven inches of snow well, expected throughout the
4: day that's
1: bad let's hear from two of seen snow
3: before?
4: yeah it snowed in alabama my first year yeah so it snows in alabama guys I know, I mean
1: people don't know that. I get that he's just answering a question, but, but I will just say this as one who went to college in the, in the upper Midwest at one time. Uh, if you think the snow in Alabama is anything even remotely close to what he's getting set to see tomorrow, I know he doesn't. He's answering the question. Nobody, all right, RC, bottom line. I mean, let, let's, let's just bottom line this. We've talked so much about it. At the end of the day, yeah. how much of a factor in who wins this game is the weather going to be?
3: It's actually going to be a factor, and I know people want us to come on here and say that the games are just played the same, and but it's actually not, right? I remember playing against the Los Angeles, Char- uh, the San Diego Chargers at the time, and it's extremely cold that day, and we're in the pregame warming up, and we look over as they're warming up, and those guys are huddled up together, and guys are bouncing around and putting their hands in their pants, and Brett Keisel starts screaming, screaming. James Harrison, who had warmed up without a shirt on, starts screaming. We're all fired up because we were like, we got them. If they're more worried about that than they are these pads, then they're in trouble. And so the football is different. It's harder, right? And when it touches your hand, it's different. When you put your hand in the dirt, it feels a different way. When you hit that ground, it's different. All of these things add to what the game brings or to how you have to approach actual football. And so it does make a difference in the outcome of games because it makes a difference in how comfortable people are when they play. Now, does this mean that every team that plays in Miami has all their players from Nah, this ain't college, but it does make a difference to where you live, to where you practice, and the conditions you actually condition your body to play in.
1: How much of a factor here, Brooke? How how do we tell the story of what Tua is going into? Because it feels to me like he has a lot. Not only do the Dolphins have a lot, but he personally has a lot at stake in this game.
0: Yeah, he does. First of all, I'm from North Carolina, and I can tell you that North Carolina snow is a lot different than Pittsburgh snow, is a lot different than Buffalo snow. So good luck with that. But, you know, I talked to a former Dolphins player who said, yeah, that is going to be a factor. Because like R.C. said, no, not every guy is from Miami. You have a guy like Tyree Kill who played in Kansas City. He's used to those cold weather conditions, but you still get used to practicing in Miami. You cannot crank down the AC enough to simulate what it's going to feel like in Buffalo. And I think about just, you know, Tyreek Hill coming in there with the ankle injury. That's going to hurt on that turf. And Tua also needs to rise to the occasion here. After two weeks of not having a good game, I don't know that he's going to be put in the best position To do that with these weather conditions.
1: Let's put the picks up on the screen. By the way, is anybody like Miami in this game? Spoiler alert: No, nobody does. So we'll see. The whole world (laughs) is against them going into this.
2: And look, you've talked a lot. Buffalo. It's not just the the weather. (laughs) There are a lot of things that make that a very difficult place to play. Yeah, and and listen, there's there's something called moldeds and seven studs, right? RC knows about this. So when you're traveling, not a lot of teams bring your seven studs. Also, so. When the Patriots, you're were talking traveling. about cleats. Now. Cleats. Now. This yeah. is just cleats. Moldeds and seven studs. A lot of teams. Everyone wears moldeds now. Everyone likes moldeds. The seven studs with like the three quarter length is what you need when it's snowing. And if you're traveling, when we were playing Tennessee Titans, they traveled to us. It was our home field, yeah. right? So we went and put our seven studs on. They didn't have any seven studs. They had their moldeds. Whatever they brought, that's what they had. Was that the 59 nothing? This one right here. Yeah. They could not even run. They couldn't even move because it was so slippery. And we were able to cut and run, and our offense put up tons of points. I think we scored 50-plus. So, again, on the road, you don't have the convenience of, oh, I need to run into the locker room and grab my different cleats. Right. So the whole team, the whole team, Needs to bring their seven studs. Take to give everyone
1: note. an understanding of just what an equalizer the weather can be, there was a game that Rob Ninkovich played in which you chased down Devin Hester from behind, and we can prove it. There
3: it is.
2: Oh, okay. Nope, there I am. Check me out. Turn on the Jets, baby. Look at him. Oh Bang. That's it. That's from behind. What are we doing? That's straight from behind. Check me out. I'm like 10 yards behind him. stiff arm. Doesn't matter. Bring him down. What are we doing? Are we doing? <laughs> Why do the stiff arm, baby? Nico. Yes. Nico, Devin Hester
3: texted me that day. He had his, his hamstrings were tight. He had extremely <laughs> tight uh, hamstrings.
2: Hey. That, and, and that prevented the a, season. He <laughs> practice all week. He wasn't ready to go. By the way, and that was a record, that would have been a record-setting touchdown he did it the next week. He anyone, did it the next week against the Vikings. Anyone else notice it's 36-0 New England
4: <laughs> <laughs> in the third quarter?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. it.
1: I that got him. All the way around. All right, weather, we'll see what happens. We'll got keep em. picking games for you as we continue on this Football Friday. Next up, Cincinnati Tampa. Burroughs, Bengals are big favorites. You'll hear why the Cincinnati quarterback has a bigger point to prove than just beating Tom Brady. That's on the way to Football Friday. Get up on ESPN.
4: Go to shopify.com network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com network.
6: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
1: We are back on Get Up, and if you are just joining us, let's quickly show you how the West was won last night. Niners, Seahawks in Seattle. What did you say this play was called here from uh, Brock Purdy to George Kittle? This is
2: called Fun Pass. Double double outside fake, and then you throw it right up the middle. I guess the, the – I can't even speak right now. The Saints did that to us in 2009. Yeah, it's It's called fun fast because it's fun to watch. George Kittle would catch two touchdowns last night.
1: And then here comes Seattle trying to go the other way. We got a scoop. We got an almost score.
2: That San Francisco defense, are they the best in the sport? Yeah, they're looking like it right now. Great pass for us, secondary, linebackers. Everyone fast.
1: That one turned into a Christian McCaffrey touchdown, 14-3 at the half, and then I told you Kittle caught two touchdowns. Here's the second. Where's the defense?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Just let Kittle run down the field wide open. Seems like a great plan. And then don't tackle him. Let him score. No, nope, not good.
1: So they would take a 21-3 lead. Looked over, and for the most part it was. Seattle does fight back. It's 21-6 in the fourth quarter. Geno Smith finding Noah Fant makes it 21-13, so in theory it's a one-score game with a two-point conversion, but the Niners just need a first down to run it out and they get that and more third and three how about a 55 yard run they ran for 170 yards last night brock purdy threw for 217 two more touchdowns no picks And the Niners get the win, and they win the division in the process. So let's show you where we are as of this moment in the the NFC playoff standings. You see uh, that the 49ers, they're basically locked in to be no worse than the three seed, and they could have their sights set on more than that. Vikings have a scary, interesting game this weekend. Eagles, of course, and the Cowboys will play a week from Saturday. That's where we stand right now in the NFC. Let's talk about some of these
3: teams. RC, Vikings, are they a contender or a pretender to win the Super Bowl? They're a pretender, and nah, this is a good football team. You don't win the amount of games that they've won this season without being good are dominant, and we know dominant teams winning the playoffs, teams that can hang their hat on defense, teams that know they can run the ball when they need to and can count on their quarterback and their receivers to make plays in the most important moments. Is Jay Jettison, is Justin Jefferson that guy? Absolutely. There's nothing else about this team I feel like I can count on to get them to the Super Bowl. They've actually been outscored on the
1: season. Ninko, Ravens, contender or pretender to win the division?
2: I'm going to go with contender still here. We don't know Lamar's injury when he's going to come back but but when he is back, I can guarantee that he's going to be the spark for this team. So, I'm not counting them out or in any way. Mm-hmm. They're definitely contenders.
1: Yeah, Lamar Jackson is, has been ruled out for this week. It looks like it'll be Tyler Hundley. And then, Brooke, how about Tampa Bay? Are they a contender or a pretender to actually do something in the playoffs?
0: Do we all just look at the same standings yeah. there? Yeah. Uh, because there's no way, right? Like, I don't even think they're going to end up winning their own division. Honestly, the entire NFC South should be relegated at this point. But I, I have been hesitant. Hesitant to pick against Tom Brady, but as my dad has said, like even a blind pig finds an acorn every once in a while. That's what their wins have been this season. It's not been pretty.
1: Is that who that finds a, acorns? Is that, is that, is that blind a,
0: pigs, but it's a southern I thought state. it was a squirrel. No, blind pigs find an acorn did, every once in a while. Oh, oh really?
1: Okay. Okay. Learn something new every day. One Squirrels way or another, Squirrel. Right. Tom Brady is well aware that his team has been struggling, but he was talking this week once again about how they can turn it around with Cincinnati coming to town.
3: There's no lack of quit. There's no lack of fight. Guys
4: are practicing their ass off.
1: You wish it was going great every week, but that's not our reality and we got to dig our way out of it. No one's feeling sorry for us. No one's outside of the locker room can do much about it. We got to come together and we got to do it ourselves. The voice has certainly sounded better. I take it from one who knows. I've had the last. Who knows what he's got going on there with that. Okay. so look, Nico, that's your guy, right? That's your. So we can put the picks up on the screen right now if you want to. All of us think Cincinnati going to win, including you. But if somehow the Buccaneers are going to pull (laughs) off. Tell me how. how. What will RC and I be saying Monday morning after Tampa Tom wins this game?
2: That they were able to play at a level that we haven't seen them all year. All year. All year. So, so, Tom's going to have to play elite. He's going to have to take care of the football. Three-plus touchdowns, right? He's going to have to throw the ball down the field. And their defense is going to have to play great. They're going to have to get after the quarterback. Something that we really haven't seen, again, is their defense, their offense, their special teams all coming together and playing as one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a mod podge all season, and it's, it's really been a breakdown in all categories. So, I think if they are able to beat Cincinnati – They will have put together a game plan and executed that game plan in all three phases. In in ways they haven't all year.
3: RC, why are we laughing? (laughs) Nico basically said they had to be a totally different team than they are. Nico was like, look, if Ryan, Dan, and Rex are Mm. going to come in and say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won, then that means a team that wasn't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually <laughs> showed up to the stadium. Because that's basically what he's saying. He's saying that Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the way that they've played this entire year with Tom Brady not having that connection with his wide receivers, the defense not stepping up as we've seen them in years past under Todd Bowles, that's what we've gotten from this team every single week. And I believe Tom Brady understands that they aren't built that way and they aren't playing well enough to be a good football team. That's why every win is a celebration Now, let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a team on the rise. Much as they were last year in December, without Tyler Boyd, without T. Higgins, with a banged-up Joe Mixon, you go out and win a big game last week against the Cleveland Browns, who have been Joe Burrows and the Cincinnati Bengals' nemesis. Joe Burrow is playing at an MVP level, I believe a top-three candidate right now, and Lou Anarumo and that defense are giving offenses fits with their multiplicity and the diversity in which they can play. The Cincinnati Bengals are readying themselves (laughs) for another Super Bowl run. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can be just another team on that run unless they change a ton about themselves. And I don't know if pigs find acorns or if blind pigs even care about acorns, but I do know this. If you put makeup on a pig, it is still a pig. And so if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers show up and they think they're someone different, we can always wipe that makeup off and they're still ugly and they still eat slop. And if you eat slop, you can't beat the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: And look, I mean, the and so let's, let's let's tell the story of the Bengals. They're still not even in first place in their division as we sit here and speak. But I've got a lot of people up here this week, Brooke, telling me they think the Bengals are now the team to beat in the AFC. Do you?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you the same thing because I've seen them play at the beginning of the season. And I saw them play a couple of weeks ago against the Steelers. And it was two totally different teams. The way that Joe Burrow is playing right now, the O-line is still, you know, a weak spot. But they're protecting him better. The fact that they beat the Browns without T. Higgins, without Tyler Boyd, he has had a bone coming through his finger and yet he's like, I feel pretty good. I think I can play. I think that this team, they knew how to surge last year. They've been there, done that. I think they're just going to repeat that again this year. To me, it all comes down to uh, Buffalo at Cincinnati. Had to remember where that one was, which plays in Cincinnati's favor.
1: It is. It's January 2nd. It's a Monday night game, actually, to be exact. Remember, the Bengals have that win over Kansas City already. If they bank that win over Buffalo, they need the Chiefs to lose one more game. But the Bengals could be pushing for the one seed in the AFC. Meanwhile, the most important game this weekend by far is Sunday night. Commanders Giants. Now these teams played 12 days ago and they finished in a tie. So both teams are 7-5 and 1 going into this game. So just how important is this game? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's the answer. According to our analytics, the winner of this game will have a better than 90% chance of getting into the play the playoffs. The loser will fall under 50%. 50%. It is by far the most significant game of the weekend. By the way, the Commanders are five-one and one since Taylor Heineke took over at quarterback, while the Giants haven't won a game in over a month. So there isn't any question about the momentum here. But you said an interesting thing to us in our meeting this morning as we were going through what Washington, in particular, what their coach has accomplished these last two months.
0: Yeah, exactly. Every time I hear about the Commanders, it's for everything but what's happening on the field. I see them more on CNN yeah. than I see them on ESPN, right. and the fact. That They have gone on this run streak in the middle of all this turmoil. I mean, their owner is being talked about every other day. Is he going to sell the team? Does he have to sell the team? The government is investigating this team, and yet they keep winning. Ron Rivera has this team so focused and so locked in, despite all the outside noise, and the noise is coming from inside their own building. It's not like you can be like, I'm going to go into the facility and shut it out. Like It's happening right there in your own hallways. And yet they're still winning. Brian Robinson's playing great. Taylor Heineke has his team playing really well. I like all their weapons. Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel. I'm really excited about where they are, and to me, they're a dark horse in the playoffs.
1: And, and you said that Ron Rivera maybe deserves some consideration for Coach Absolutely. of the Year based on the season that he's having. Let us talk about it, because, RC, I, I, we can put the picks up on the screen. I don't think there's any question. Look, the Giants have had a really nice year. I think they've overachieved relative to their expectations and talent level.
3: Yes, they have. But
1: the one, the one of these two
3: teams that could be scary in the playoffs maybe is Washington, yes? Well, it's Washington because Washington actually has an identity. And I think that identity does start with their head coach. We're speaking about all the things they've had to overcome to win. This man was going to cancer treatment, beating cancer, and coaching this football team, not complaining, not showing up without energy, but making sure he was there for his team so they could see his presence and understand how important it was for him to win football games. That matters. That builds something within that building. You have a running back that was shot in the preseason, and he comes back, and he's running the football hard. He's now giving a level of physicality to the run game in Washington, and the defense that playing at an extremely high level although sometimes unorthodox with what Jack Del Rio wants to do. This is a team that rallies around a young quarterback that may not be the most talented, but that brings energy and brings fight each and every week. And I believe if you see them in the playoffs and you understand what you're going to have to be to beat them, that's going to be a tough game. I think they get this done against the New York Giants this week and they continue to move into the playoffs and whatever team they have to play is going to know you're going to have to strap it up because the Washington commanders will not go down lightly. You know, the, the
1: Taylor Heineke story is fascinating. and uh, You know, I've, I've, I focus so much on the Jets, and we, we've talked a lot about how the players just believe in Mike White, whether he's a great player or not. They, be, they I feel like there's something similar about Taylor Heineke. I don't know how talented he is or he isn't, but those guys on that field obviously believe they can win when he's on
2: there. Yeah, it, it's, it's that glue. It's the, it's, he's a glue guy, right? He, he's a guy that you know when you're out there, he's going to give you everything he's got. And no matter what, he might take a few hits, he's going to get back up, and he's going to say, let's go. we got we got to win this thing. So, mm-hmm. again, when you have those guys, it really helps a team come together. And right now, especially when you're in December, this is when you want to go on a roll. And, and like RC said, you can go face a team like the Commanders in the playoffs, and they can beat you. Yeah. They can beat you because they have a good front, their, their offensive system. They have good balance. And, and I really do believe with Rivera and the way that he's coaching this team, they're going to be motivated and ready to go. Look, this team that started 1-4, and four, the 7-5 yeah. and 1, you do the math. I mean, yeah. they are unquestionably a team on the come.
1: Here's what makes me nervous. We've had a lot of games that we all picked the same team <laughs> so far this week. Yeah, that, uh, that, that rarely ends <laughs> well. And means, speaking of Ending well. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are going to need to end really well or their season is going to be over really soon. I know they're 5-8, and eight, but what if I told you, there is a path for Aaron Rodgers, and that without even playing yesterday, it got clearer. We'll explain next.
2: Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI.
1: Back on a football Friday, the game is called Fact or Fiction? Fiction. Ninko,
2: Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league. Is that fact or fiction? Yeah, it's fact. It's fact right now. Don't ask Michael Parsons about that, but Mm. it's fact. (laughs) I I do believe he has led his team uh, to be very good, and he is the MVP. And they've got the best record in the sport, and he's the quarterback.
1: Those things usually add up. Brooke Pryor, Uh, Patrick Mahomes will be the best quarterback in the AFC playoff field. Is that fact or fiction?
0: That's fact, and I know that Ninko's uh, MVP pick might be Jalen Hurts. Mine is still Patrick Mahomes, because look at what he's doing and who he's doing it with. Yes, he still has Travis Kelsey, but he's really made this team so much better. To me, that's the definition of an MVP. Even when he's not trying to make these insane plays, he just flips the ball, and oh, it's a catch, it's a touchdown, it's... He does insane things. He's always going to be the best quarterback in the AFC playoff field.
1: And then, RC, let's go to Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to win out. They'll win the remaining four games. Is that fact or fiction? (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's
3: fiction. I mean, a game against the Detroit Lions is a little bit different now. Even if the Detroit Lions aren't in the playoff picture, we know Dan Campbell is going to be playing extremely tough. They have the Dolphins on their, on their schedule. Also, the Vikings starting with the Rams this week. I don't see this Green Bay Packer team being good enough to run the table. Okay, because that is the first part, and, and
1: I guess the most obvious part, of their chances of still, there you are, still making the playoffs. And Aaron Rodgers was talking about it this week. They, at 5-8, and eight, they are not done. Listen to Aaron. The
5: fact is, their stuff is out of our control. Um, what we can't control is we got to win out. We can't control what happens tonight, what happens on Sunday, you know, games that we need to go our way, but uh, you know, we control our focus and our approach. And. and uh, and be a pro about it and if we do that you never know what can happen get on a little run here and, and make things interesting all
1: right so the first thing that was out of their control happened for them last night they needed seattle to lose last night and they did so in order for the packers to get in first of all they have to win out then they need either the Giants or the Commanders to lose three of their last four games. Well, the Giants have really been struggling. And then they just need Seattle to lose one of their final three games. And that's certainly the Seahawks have lost back-to-back games at home. So right now, Green Bay's chance of making it into the playoffs is 11%. Again, it begins with them winning out, and they have the game on Monday night. So the old, you know, you're saying there's a chance kind of line. RC, are, are we saying there's a chance for Aaron and the Packers?
3: I mean, you're saying there's a chance because it's mathematically possible. But when we look at the way that this team has played throughout the season, thinking about them going on a four-game run of any kind almost seems improbable. And Aaron Rodgers is a guy that is still banged up. This is a defense that's not playing at the level at which their roster might say that they're capable of and a run game that sometimes Coach LaFleur doesn't want to stick with. And so when I think about this team and the possibility of being able to run the table, I don't believe it happens. Aaron Rodgers is going to get this team fired up and continue to say all the right things to keep everyone focused, but I don't believe this is a team good enough to do it. Schedule has been brutally tough. I mean,
1: you look, they've played teams tough the last few weeks. They won that game against the Cowboys. Uh, They they played a seven-point game with the Eagles. Schedule has been challenging. They play Monday night against the Rams. Let's put the picks up there. And I've already seen them, so I'm aware that one of us doesn't think that they're going to win. And that one of us is you, Brooke Pryor. So you are writing off Rodgers once and for all.
0: I am. And it was really nice when they were on a bye. And we could all, you know, stop (laughs) pretending that there was a chance that they could make the playoffs. Because, it's not going to happen unless he goes to a healer and they cast a spell and the rest of the division falls apart because to me they're the third best team in their division. I don't think that the Vikings are Super Bowl contenders, but I think that they're better than the Packers. I think the Lions are coming on at the right time and what they have to play both of those guys coming up, they're yeah. not going to win out. Guys, it's 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 over. It's been over. Believe in Aaron Rodgers all you want at your own peril. It's not happening. Actually,
2: Nico, you were making signs that said it's over on the show like 2 months ago. I mean, 11 percent, Creaney. 11 percent is not nothing. If you not tell nothing. me I got 11 percent chance, I'm pretty sad. Okay. I, I 11%. understand. Well, it's when 11%. you're five
1: and eight, you're going to be pretty sad. I, but the point is, if you look at the things they need to have happen, if they win out, that's, to me, the biggest problem they have is they yeah. have to win their games. I think the other things will yes. happen.
2: Yeah, They have other to win. Happen. They have to have a lot of things happen. I but think Seattle number will lose. They again, have to win four games in a row. That's the yeah, thing, That's the thing. Is that going to happen? That's no, right. No, it's going to happen. they will be, be much, realistic people.
1: They would be much better off not playing anymore <laughs> and letting everyone else just sort of fall by the ways. I think the Giants will lose three of their last four, and I think Seattle will lose again. I think it's there for the Packers if they could win out. That's win the problem. Out. They need the to win part. all.
2: The, they have to go to Miami, too. It's not an easy schedule, not, the rest of not. the way. I mean, Brooks ending their season now with I, the loss yeah, to the Yeah, they're
0: welcome. You I'm putting ended, them out of their misery.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> ended it months ago. I so. did, Yes, I two months
1: so we have something entirely different for you this morning here on Get Up, but it's something that I think is really important. So you will remember this tragedy. It was just over a month ago that a gunman opened fire on a bus at the University of Virginia. The football team was on there. They'd been to a field trip in Washington, D.C. Three of the players were killed. Another player was hit, but he survived. That player's name is Mike Hollins. What you may not know is that Mike Hollins and Ryan Clark's son, Jordan, have been best friends for years. R.C. tells us they're like family. So this week, Mike sat down with RC on the podcast, The Pivot, about going back onto that bus after the shooting started to check on his friends.
5: Yeah, I went back to that bus to, just to, I don't even know. In that moment, it's just, it was a reaction. And I went back to get my brothers off, get my classmates off, see what was going on. I don't really know in that moment, right right now, but. I knew I was headed back to the bus and as soon as I turned around and like, took maybe two or three steps, I saw Chris coming off the bus and he had a gun in his hand. Um, and in that moment, you know, we locked eyes and I, didn't, I couldn't really, I just felt so hopeless in that moment.
1: So as we mentioned here, R.C., and you were telling us this morning, this is a young man that you have known uh, just about his entire life. What can you tell us about the conversation? What what can you tell us about him going back on that bus?
3: Well, I mean, him going back to the bus is exactly who he is, Greeny. Uh, he was the type of kid that would was a superstar high school football player but was friends with the guy that got picked on to make sure that nobody else said anything to him. The guy that wanted to protect his little brother, Deuce, against anyone on the yard, at the school. Someone who was so so locked in on making sure his mother and his sister were always okay he has a protective spirit and when he's telling the story that he was the one that got the bus driver to stop when he heard the gunshots he saw his friend Lavelle Davis who had on a bright orange hoodie fall over after being shot and someone stand over him and make sure he was dead by putting another bullet into him and he mentions that he gets off the bus with another football player and that football player takes off and as that football player takes off and gets to safety he turns around to go check on Deshaun Perry, who also passed, but was his best friend at the University of Virginia. He said that they'd been best friends since the day he walked on campus. And when he's walking, when the shooter is walking off the bus and he sees him, he says he turns his back to run away and he gets shot and he feels the shot in his back and he runs upstairs, but then he comes back down to check on everybody again. And I asked him, I said, well, why would you go back down another time? He's like, because I wanted to see what I could do to help. And I think that's always been Mike and as someone who got the phone call or got the text message from Jordan at 1.40 a.m. that morning, your first thing is you're happy that he's not one of those who has lost their lives. But then you immediately think about his friends that had. And to this point, that's all he's still thinking about of his friends that have lost their lives and the way that he can live his life to honor them. And it was very important that we sat down together. He called me last week and said he wanted to do it with someone that he loved. And so we gave him the space to talk. His mom sat to the side and was able to watch and listen. And there were tears shed. But more than anything, I told him that God put him on that bus for a reason. And God allowed him to live for a reason. And Mike says he's going to do that the rest of his life to make sure his friends know that them losing their lives will not go unnoticed, will not go in vain. And he will honor them with every breath that he takes going forward.
1: It's an unimaginable story. The entire interview will be available on today's uh, episode of the Pivot podcast, which will drop this afternoon. R.C., thank you for sharing that. I know how personal it is. We'll take a short break. Back with much more. You're watching Get Up on ESPN.
5: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home.